Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bible Breakdown Podcast. In this podcast, we will be breaking down the Bible one chapter a day. Whether you are a new believer or have been following Christ for a while, we believe that you will learn something new and fresh every single day. So thank you for joining us, and let's get into breaking down the Bible together. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to your tour through the Gospel of Luke. Today, Luke chapter 8. And man, we're having so much fun just going through the Bible. And thank you once again, everybody, for your feedback and your good ideas. Someone told me recently that my intros are too long, <laughs> to which I first replied, uh, rude. And then I listened to it and was like, man, they're right. So we're going to jump right into God's Word. But I always want to remind you of what we talk about. And that is, I want you to remember that Luke was an investigative journalist. He was a doctor by trade, but he has been commissioned. He's been sent by this guy named Theopolis to affirm the things that he has heard about Jesus. And that's what he's doing, is the first chapter says that he went and he investigated the claims for himself. He talked to the people who had been healed, and now he is writing back to Theopolis that everything was true. Everything that happened to Jesus, man, we could confirm it, and it was true. And I always love to think about, as we jump into this, and I want you to think about these these ideas, who was he talking to when he wrote these down? We're going to look at uh, the women who follow Jesus. We're going to discover what a parable is as Jesus really begins to dig into this. Then we're going to see that Jesus is going to calm a storm, heal a demon-possessed man, and do some other healing as well. And I wonder if, for the second half of this, maybe Luke was interviewing the man who had been demon-possessed. Nobody knew like that guy what had happened. So I don't know. But we're going to jump into this and we're going to read these together and just see what God's Word has to say. Once again, the more we dig, the more we find. So let's get started. I'm going to read the first section and then I'm going to get you ready for the next half by talking about this thing called a parable. But first, let's read the first few verses. Luke chapter 8, verse 1 says, Soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, who, had, who he had cast out seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. And this would have been really important, by the way, for Luke to remind everybody that Jesus elevated women in his ministry. Instead of women being, you know, on the outside looking in, it seems as though many prominent women were part of his company. Now, while Jesus' 12 disciples were 12 men, there were a lot of times when you can see that women had an active role in the ministry of Jesus. I think that's amazing to remember as we move forward. Now, next what we're going to see is Jesus is going to tell two different parables, and we want to make sure that we know what this phrase is. So, have you ever heard of that, a parable? That, that is Jesus taking a complex spiritual principle and illustrating it with a story. So instead of trying to explain to somebody what E equals MC squared is, he would tell a story that would help you get your mind around it. That's what he would do. Is he's taking these complex spiritual principles, complex things that would be hard to get our mind around, such as the kingdom of God and how the kingdom of God works. And he'll tell a story to kind of help us get our minds around what it is. And so I want you to kind of hear this when he says this, and then we'll break down what it means. The Bible says this, Luke 8, verse 4, one day, Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. He said, A farmer went out to plant his seed. As he scattered it across the field, some seed fell on the footpath, 
where it was stepped on, and the birds ate it. The other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died from lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it, and it choked out the tender plants. Still others, other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop of a hundred times as much had been planted. And when he had said this, he called out, Anyone who has ears to hear should listen and understand. But his disciples asked him what the parable meant. And he said, You are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. But I use parables to teach others so the scripture might be fulfilled. When they look, they won't really see. And when they hear, they won't understand. This is the meaning of the parable. Now, before I do that, pause. Once again, what is happening is, is Jesus is telling these people in parables and and spiritual principles wrapped up in a story. But what he's saying is, is I'm telling these people parables so that the only ones that will understand are the ones that are truly listening. That's what that that scripture was saying is when they look, they won't really see. And when they hear, they won't, they won't understand. In other words, that they're only going to understand if they're truly listening. So Jesus is saying that I'm telling them parables so they have to really pay attention to get what I'm trying to say. So he just got through talking about a sower, a uh, farmer, goes out and he scatters seed. Some of it falls on the footpath where you walk. Some of it falls among the weeds and the thorns. Some of it falls on some other parts of the ground. Some of it falls in the good soil. Now he says this is what that actually means. The seed is God's word. Verse 12. The seed that fell among the footpath represents those who hear the message, only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. Verse 13. The seed that was on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have any deep roots, they believe for a while Then they fall away when they face temptation. Verse 14, the seed that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this world. And so they never grow into maturity. And the seeds that fell on good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. So once again, as you see, Jesus is taking a complex spiritual principle of how God's word is received by people. Some people receive it willingly. Some people receive it skeptically. Some people receive it for a moment. And, and, and then when bad things happen, they throw it away. And some people don't receive it at all. But instead of saying it like that, he puts it in a story so that people can truly understand. He tells another one like this in verse 16, no one lights a lamp and then covers it with a bowl or hides it under a bed. A lamp is placed on a stand where it can, light can be seen to all who enter the house. For all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open, and everything that is concealed will be brought into the light and made known to all. So pay attention how you hear. To those who listen to my teachings, more understanding will be given. But to those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. So once again, Jesus is talking about this idea of thinking of the Word of God as a light. And when you light in your life, you let it light up your life, it gives you light all around and also for those around you as well. But if you don't, then it just gets confusing. So let's go. Here we go. Verse 19, Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they couldn't get to him because of the crowd. Someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they want to see you. But Jesus replied, my mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and obey it. Verse 22, he's going to talk about calming the storm. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they got into the boat and it started out. As they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. But soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. 
and the boat was filling with water, and they were all in real danger. Disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. Like, pause for a moment. Jesus, so there is a storm. It is such a storm. Now, now listen, Jesus, at least four of the 12 disciples are professional fishermen. They have been in water all their life. They are so terrified by this storm that they go and they have to get Jesus. But Jesus is sleeping, okay? The Bible says the next verse, when Jesus woke up, when he woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. So that says two things. Number one, Jesus was a hard sleeper, okay? That is amazing to me. Number two is Jesus wasn't worried about any of this. That's amazing. Number three is Jesus was living, was in a mortal body, and so he was so exhausted that he had passed out. Man, he was so sleepy, and they have to go and wake him up. But suddenly, after he told all the stuff to be quiet, the Bible says suddenly the storm stopped and all was calm. And then he, he asked them, this is verse 25, he asked them, where is your faith? Well, I'm just going to tell you something. If Jesus is sleeping, and now all of a sudden, I, he, the waves are going everywhere, and he just tells them all to calm down, and they calm down. Um, where is your faith? It's in him, okay? And also, uh, I'm, I am terrified at that point to ever not do something Jesus says, right? The Bible says this, verse, second half of verse 25. The disciples were terrified and amazed. Who is this man? They asked each other. That... When he gives a command, even the wind and the waves obey him. Is that not really true? When you truly encounter the presence of God, you are both terrified and amazed. You know, can I tell you, I am praying for God to do that in our generation, to do something so amazing that we are both terrified and amazed at the awesomeness of God. All right, here we go. Verse 26, Jesus heals a demon-possessed man. So they arrived in a region of the Gadarenes across the Lake of Galilee. As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. For a long time, he had been homeless and naked, living in the tombs outside the town. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. Then he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already commanded the devil, the evil spirit, to come out of him. The spirit had often taken control of the man. Even when he was placed under guard and put chains or shackles, he simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness, completely under the demon's power. Jesus demanded, What is your name? Legion, he replied, for he was filled with many demons. The demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby, and the demons begged him to let them enter into the pigs. So Jesus gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd uh, plunged down to the steep hillside into the lake, and he drowned. When the herdsmen saw it, they fled to the nearby town, and they surrounded in the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened, and a crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been freed from the demons. He was sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid." On pause for just a moment. Isn't that amazing? I heard somebody say one time, this is the first case of deviled ham. <laughs> that is like the most dad joke ever. It's great. I love it. But what had happened was, is this, this guy, for whatever reason, he had become possessed by these evil spirits. And the Bible says that they would often try to restrain this guy, but nothing happened. Nothing was working. He was a social outcast. So the only place that was left for him was to live in the caves and live 
in the catacombs because he had been completely ostracized from the local community. And this was likely a Gentile community. We don't know that for sure, but possibly because of them hurting these pigs. And pigs were considered you know, unkosher, and so the Jewish society would not have kept them at large. And if it wasn't, it was Jewish people, but they were still hurting these unkosher pigs. And so many scholars think that the reason why these demons wanted to get inside these pigs is that many of these pigs would be used in idol worship to the god Zeus, the uh, false god Zeus. And so they still were wanting to become part of a paganistic thing, thinking they were getting the last laugh on Jesus. What they didn't realize is that these pigs were going to go and they were going to commit suicide. <laughs> Sorry, last last pig joke for the day. And in the end of the day, Jesus was going to get the last laugh because this man was going to be healed. And I love the idea that the Bible says when they found the man, that he was sane, he was clothed, and he was at the feet of Jesus learning about the good news. I think it is absolutely amazing. But look what the response was to these people. Verse 36, Then those who had seen what had happened told the others how the demon-possessed man had been healed. And all the people of the region of the Gerasenes begged Jesus to go away and to leave them alone, for great awe had swept over them. So they had saw a great thing, but instead of being amazed, they were terrified and asked Jesus to go away. The next verse says, So Jesus returned to the boat and left, crossing back to the other side of the lake. The man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him home saying, No, go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you. So he went through the town proclaiming the great things that Jesus had done for him. Verse 40, On the other side of the lake, crowds welcomed Jesus because he had been, they had been waiting for him. And the man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying. As Jesus went to him, he, surrounded, he was surrounded by the crowds. A woman who was in the crowd who suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, so that she, but she could not find a cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus said. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. And when the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell at his feet, at her, at, on her knees in front of him. And the crowd uh, heard her explain why he had touched him, and she immediately was healed. Daughter, he, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And while he was still speaking to her, a messenger arrived at the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and he told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus heard what had happened, and he said to Jairus, Do not be afraid, just have faith, and she will be healed. And when they arrived at the house, Jesus wouldn't let anyone go in except for Peter, John, and James, and the little girl's father and mother. And the house was filled with people weeping and wailing. But he said, Stop the weeping. She isn't dead. She's only asleep. But the crowds laughed at him because they all knew she had died. Then Jesus took her by the hand and said to her with a loud voice, My child, get up. And at that moment, her life returned, and she immediately stood up. And Jesus told them to give her something to eat. And her parents were overwhelmed, but Jesus insisted that they, t that they tell no one, uh, not tell anyone, excuse me, what had happened. So let's back up real fast, and we're going to end up our day for today. So first of all, that lady. Well, in the book of Leviticus, it was said that if a woman had a flow of blood, she was considered unclean. 
So she was technically not supposed to be in any crowd. And if she was caught being in any crowd, she could be subject to judgment and possibly death. So one of the reasons why she snuck up to touch Jesus was because if anybody recognized her, she was possibly going to die. So she put everything on the line in order to get a healing. And the Bible said that he, she touched the fringe of his garment. Now, the fringe would have most likely been the prayer tassels on his prayer shawl. As an Orthodox Jewish rabbi, he would have had a prayer shawl he took with him. And the prayer shawl would represent the promises of God and the power of God that Jewish rabbis would hold as they would pray. And so she was literally touching the authority and the power of Jesus when she touched, not just any part, but when they, he specifically says the fringe, it doesn't necessarily mean that, that she touched the very edge, the very tip of the garment, but she's very specifically touched the authority of the prayer of Jesus. And so that's when she knew exactly the part likely that she was touching. And then boom, that's when the power of God left out of Jesus and into her and he, and she was healed immediately. So that's one thing that's amazing. It's not always known about that scripture. But then also, I love the idea that Jesus, even in the face of opposition, was telling Jairus and the mother, just have faith. Even when everybody else doesn't believe, you believe what I said. And I think that among many things we could take from this chapter, be a really good application for us today. In life, there's going to be a lot of different things that's going to happen. Jesus is telling parables in this story about how some people are going to receive the gospel, some people are not. He tells, we learn rather about him calming the sea, about him healing a demon-possessed man, and now this lady reaches out and touches his prayer shawl and receives healing and all this. There's going to be many times in our life when we're going to have a choice. Are we going to trust Jesus? Are we going to trust what we see? Can I encourage you to always trust Jesus because he'll never lead you the wrong way. I want to give you a resource, and I want to pray for us, and we're going to be in today. If you'd like to know more about this idea of looking at the Bible through the eyes of an investigator, there's a wonderful apologist named J. Warner Wallace. He was a cold case detective turned Christian, and he wrote a book called Cold Case Christianity. He teaches a lot of people how to use different investigative methods to look at the Gospels and find their authenticity. So they're really, really good. I would encourage you to continue this study and go deeper and use some of the tactics of cold case Christianity to help you. Let me pray for you today, and we'll be done. Father, thank you so much for everything you're doing in our lives. Thank you for the Gospels, because it helps us to know about how you, Jesus, operated in the world, and that many times you give us a template. You give us the ability to understand how we can also walk through this world holding on to you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will enlighten our hearts to know you more, and you'll give us a fresh hunger for your word every day. Thank you for your goodness in our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, God bless you. I'll see you next time for Luke chapter 9.